0: Love you. So we're ending the series today called Love Is. We've done several sermons on 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8. It's the love chapter. It's the section that explains what love really is. And the love that God gives us is, and tells us about is way different than what the world defines love as. I'm calling this today, this sermon, God is love and love never fails. The final thing he says, going through verse 8, is love never fails. God's explained love to us, it protects, it covers, it blesses, and then he says that his love never fails. Well you know, we all have a decision to make and it's this, will you believe what God says about what true love is, or are you going to go with your own definition? A mixed-up world gets it wrong, and a wrong decision causes pain. Miley Cyrus is uh, a young lady, Billy Ray Cyrus' daughter, that's a Christian family, and she is, I, I think it's safe to say she's a prodigal right now, and she's struggling. She has a number one hit song out right now uh, called We Can't Stop, and I want to read you the lyrics. It says this, Miley Cyrus, number one song, says, pop song, it's our party, we can do what we want. It's our party, we can say what we want. It's our party, we can love who we want. We can kiss who we want, we can see who we want. Red cups and sweaty bodies everywhere, hands in the air like we don't care because we came to have so much fun now. Bet somebody here might get some now. If you're not ready to go home, can I get an expletive? No, because we're going to go all night till we see sunlight. We like to party, dancing with Miley. Doing what we want, this is our house, this is our rules, and we can't stop, and we won't stop. <clears throat> can't you see it's who, it's we who own the night, can't you see it's about that life, and we can't stop, we won't stop, we run things, things don't run we. It's an interesting sentence, but that's the song. Uh, we. It rhymes, I guess. We don't take nothing from nobody, it's our party, we can do what we want, it's our party, we can say what we want, it's our party, we can love who we want, we can kiss who we want, we can see who we want, to my homegirls here with the big butt shaking it like we at a strip club. <laughs> and then, interesting, because she has this background, uh, and I really I really want us to pray for her because uh, she's gone astray and I, God loves her and so do I. Then she says, interestingly, in the middle of the song, remember only God can judge you, forget the haters because somebody loves you. Doing whatever we want, this is our house, this is our rules, we can't stop and we won't stop. It's true you can do whatever you want, and that's why so many of us go astray. But it's also true that God didn't come to take away our fun, He came to take away our pain. So when He sets some boundaries for us, they're boundaries that show us where safety is and what real love is all about. I'm not going to deny, because I was a prodigal too, that you can't have fun in sin. But I will tell you this, and Miley will soon be able to tell you, that it's just short-term pleasure that brings long-term pain. And um, when you come to Jesus, there's a certain discipline about staying in bounds, and because it's just it's just the bounds of love and safety, showing you where, where to keep from getting hurt. Don't go there, you'll get hurt. That's what God's doing. And uh, He's not trying to stop you, He's just trying to bless you. <clears throat> and if we don't listen, we have trouble, so... Interesting, I read this this week. She's got this number one hit out and it is from M-Stars, uh, an online magazine. They just reported Miley and her fiance, actor Liam Hemsworth, are being rumored to, that they're going through couples therapy right now and observers called them cold and distant who've watched their relationship. Well, shock of all shocks, that whole party thing isn't working out. You know, they, uh, you know, the party we're talking about September 15th doesn't include what she's talking about here. <laughs> We know how to have fun without bowing to the porcelain God the next morning. You, you, you know what I mean by that. And, and, but, but if you choose the way that you want to do that's apart from God, you can do it. He, he doesn't force anything on any of us. But he lovingly shows us a way that is the best way. Jeremiah 17.5 shows us the two routes that we have to choose. And it says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. And he he will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Here's the other side of it for those who follow the Lord. Verse 7. But blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. It's true, it's our choice, but there are consequences, good and bad, for the choices we make. Let's pray. Father, as we look at love and your definition, we are confronted with the question, will we receive what you say is best? And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us to understand your truth that will set us free today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So three things I want to share at the end of this series, one of them being this, the most important doctrine in the Bible is this, God is love. Nothing's more important than that. You say, how can you say that, Pastor Stan? Do you really know it doesn't say that? Well, First John four sixteen shows us that that's the way that he defined, defines himself. This is the Bible, it's his word, it's inspired by him, he wrote it, the Holy Spirit Anointed uh, to write through men, but it's written by God Himself, and it says this. So we know and rely on the love of God that God has for us, and then it says this: God is love. So God defines Himself as love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in Him. Then First John four eight, same thing. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The reason I know it's the most important thing is because that's the way He defines Himself. This is how God showed his love among us, it goes on to say. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now we as believers, you know, we're not doing a great job reaching America. And, and here's a couple of the reasons why. First, we have trouble with Balance the balance of what God's Word says. We we want to um, emphasize one thing at the expense of others too often. What I mean by that is is this. We emphasize truth often at the expense of grace. And then we have legalism, a club that just beats people and tells them they're bad. Well, that doesn't work. Or we emphasize... Uh, um, um, I'm sorry, I had that backwards. If we emphasize truth at the expense uh, uh, of grace, we have we we have club that beats, but if we emphasize grace and permissiveness at the expense of truth, then it's the devil's beating people with the club because they're just doing whatever and it doesn't matter. So if God is love, then what does love look like? Let's look at John 1, 14 to find the balance that I think if we can love the way God loves, if we can receive it for ourselves, he has truth for us and he has grace. The truth is he's saying to Miley, walk, walk here because it's safe boundaries. You're going to get hurt over there. The drugs, the alcohol. And she admitted part of that song was about drugs as, as well. And he's saying, no, no, you'll get hurt. And that's truth. But there's grace for Miley. There's grace for you. There's grace for me. He loves us. He's drawn us. He, he likes her. He loves her. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. It's talking about Jesus who came from the Father. And here's, so, so if God is love, what's love look like? Here's what it looks like. He's full of grace and truth. And there's that balance. And I say it often, but it's kind of like the two wings of an airplane. Which one do you want if you're going to go on a flight? I recommend that you have both or you'll crash and burn. You need grace and truth. It's who he was. He said to the woman, who condemns you now? And then he said to the woman, go and leave your life of sin. The woman uh, that was caught in adultery. He's loving. He's protecting. He's all the things that we've seen in the Bible in this love chapter previously that we've talked about. And we, we see it there in John 1, 14, but we see it here in Proverbs 3 as well, that balance. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God. And I would think it would stop there. You, you do the right thing and God loves you. You win favor with him, but it doesn't stop there. See, we're not reaching this world and one of the reasons we're not reaching him is because we're not loving like he loves. We don't let go of truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life but we don't let go of grace and love that reaches out and cares about people and tries to help this world rather than tell them they're all going to hell and acting like we're happy about it. We need to love people with grace and truth. And it says if you, if you love, have love and faithfulness, that which is really similar to grace and truth, could be defined that way even in the, in the um, interpretation of the scripture here, then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man that when we carry truth and we walk in love and grace, even people around us say those, those people care and they look like what I think God wants his children to look like. Here's another thing. So, so, so we, we gotta find balance in that or, or we don't look like him. And, and, and it's the most important thing to look like him because, and God is love. But here's another thing. We separate this is why we're not reaching this world, we separate over petty doctrinal differences in the body of Christ. Uh, when I say evangelical, I mean this um, the the old abridged definition definition this comes from webster 's dictionary that evangelical means uh, Jesus is the only way, and the Word of God is the standard or inerrant that 's what evangelical meant in that definition that 's the way i 'm using it this morning so let 's talk about the scores of thousands of church that that are evangelical. Uh, that, that I believe those are, those are important truths that we have to hold to. But there's just thousands and hundreds of thousands of churches that separate over petty differences when we have those things in common. And what happens is Jesus and the Word start getting lost when the world starts watching churches and Christians argue. And they, say we, they see that we don't even like each other. So why, why would they want to join that club, Right? Why would they want to get into their lives what we have? And, and, and you know, so, so if you look at Baptists and, 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 and even Pentecostals or the Assemblies of God, which, which we're affiliated with, if you look at that, our doctrines are so sim- similar, and, and about probably 98%, 99% the same. And yet I've seen people argue and get into things over differences that they don't realize the enemy is making us highlight our differences so the world that is watching will not want to come. We have so much in common. Jesus is the way, the word of God, the love of God, and we're messing it up. By, by, by We think that doctrinal purity is the most important thing. Well, the most important doctrine is God is love. And he wants us to be unified for his message. This is a joke that was voted the number one religious joke of the last 20 years. It's a joke by Emo. I've read it before, but I love it, and it explains this better than I can Emo, the comedian, says, I once saw this guy on a bridge about to jump, and I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. And I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too, Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too, what franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, northern conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region or northern conservative Baptist Eastern Region? He said, northern conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or northern conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said, northern conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? I said, die, you heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. (laughs) And there you have it. How in the world are we going to reach them if, if, if we're just making big deals out of little things? Let me tell you something I'm really excited about because the churches in this region, I think we get it. Um, we're going to join together end of September, 1st of October of this year in an event that we're calling Seven. And we're going we're gonna to have all the churches of Portland, and, and, and we're gathering a southwest region of Portland as well. We're going to pray and fast for our area to come to Christ. So great churches like Athey Creek and Rolling Hills and Solid Rock and South Lake and us and many others are coming together. Pastor John Mark is great. Pastor Kip is great. Pastor Bill is great. Pastor Brett is great. We love each other. And more importantly than that, we love Jesus. And we think the most important thing is that we would reach out with his love and show people that we're all about him and that he helps us love each other. Do you know how important this is to Jesus? In John 17, verse 20, it says this, My prayer, these are the words of Jesus Christ. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And by the way, that's us because he was talking to the disciples and the people of that day. We're the ones who believed in that message and we've come. That they all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. And here's why. Why is this so important? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. As the churches of Portland and Southwest Portland come together, as we walk in this love of God and what we have in common, we'll see a great revival that will rise up among us. And it will fill not one church that can say they're the most special. It'll fill all the churches because people will find Christ in every area. The most important doctrine is God is love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much he loves this world? A few years ago, uh, I heard this story. It's a story about a, a guy named Ken Gob, a pastor who was on TV some, And it's one of the most amazing testimonies that I've ever heard. Ken Gobb, this preacher, and his family were driving on I-75 near Dayton, Ohio, and they decided to stop at a restaurant. Ken's wife and his children went into the restaurant, but Ken felt like he wanted to stretch his legs, and uh, so he went for a little walk, and he walked past a nearby gas station, he heard a phone ringing at a phone booth. And he paused, and it just kept ringing. And he thought about it and he thought, well, maybe it's some sort of emergency. Maybe I should answer it. He answered and he heard an operator say these words to his amazement long distance for Ken Gobb. He doesn't live in Dayton, Ohio. He's just answering a random phone booth. He said he almost passed out and he said, You've got to be kidding me. I'm just walking in the middle of nowhere here and I heard this phone ringing. The operator sounded confused and she said, Is Ken Gobb there? And he said, after looking for candid camera, cameras for a little bit, this is Ken Gobb. And a voice on the other side of the line said this, Mr. Gobb, my name is Millie. I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You don't know me, but I need your help. She went on to explain that she'd just written a suicide note, but had decided to give prayer uh, one more shot before she took her own life. She said, God, I don't really want to do this. And as she prayed, she remembered seeing Ken Gob on television. She thought to herself, if I could just talk with him, I, I think he could help me. But this was pre-Google days, many years ago, right? And it, it, that made it extremely difficult to track somebody down. And as she prayed, some numbers popped into her head. And she wrote them down on a piece of paper. And she couldn't help but think, she was moved to think, wouldn't it be amazing and wonderful if God were giving me Ken's number? And Millie, in such a desperate situation, decided to dial the number, these random numbers that she wrote down. And she couldn't believe it. She told him, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't believe it when the operator said, it's you. And Millie asked Ken, are you in your office? And Ken said, no. And she sounded surprised. She said, then where are you? And Ken said, you made the call, don't you know? And she said, I don't even know the area that I'm calling. I just dialed a number that I wrote down on a piece of paper. Ken said, you won't believe this. I'm in a phone booth in Dayton, Ohio. Millie replied, what are you doing there? Ken said, I'm answering a pay phone. <laughs> Ken ministered to her and left that phone booth today with this conclusion. He said, I walked away from that booth with an electrifying sense of our Heavenly Father's concern for each of his children. What were the astronomical odds of this happening with all the millions of phones, he says, and innumerable combinations of numbers? Only an all-knowing God could have caused that woman to dial that number in that booth at that moment in time. And when Ken hung up the phone, he walked over to the restaurant, sat down with his family, still stunned. He said to his wife, Barb, you won't believe this, God knows where I am. Now when I say God is love, do you see how much he loved Millie? Millie who felt that there was nothing left in this life and no one who cared. And God spoke to her through his servant. God led her in such a way because he is full of love. And you know what God does? God always leads people are hurting to people of faith who know him. And they're the ones who speak to them and love them and share the words that God gives them for them. God is love and he pursues us with love incredibly all the time. And he's pursuing those who are lost because he cares about them so much. Second thought today, God is love. It's the most important doctrine. And the second is this, God's love never fails. Now, I know that you and I have thought that he's failed us before, right? If if you're honest, a couple of you haven't but you feel like he doesn't know where you're at, he doesn't see, he doesn't understand, or he doesn't like you well enough. But the truth is, his love never fails. It's always the enemy that puts that thought in our minds that God doesn't care about me as much as he does others. Because he loves you. And not only does he love you, but his love will never fail you. He's never failed you, and he never will fail you in the future. 1 Corinthians thirteen eight. that's how he finishes that passage. Love never fails that kind of love we've talked about the last few weeks in the sermons, he says, it doesn't fail, my love. And he wants to reveal to us how much he loves us and loves others. And it may sound like a small deal, but this is the big deal. We will not have the impact in this world that God wants us to have if we don't know how much he loves us. Not us, plural, me. Do you know how much he loves you? When you discover how much he loves you, that's when you're set free and you don't have to worry about what everybody else thinks and his power and his spirit can work through you mightily to love others because you know how great his love is. Ephesians 3.17, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints, listen to this, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We really don't get it. As a matter of fact, I would say the Word of God brings us the reality, and that's why we need to be in it, of of knowing what His love is really like. And, And the mature people in Christ are the ones who are discovering more and more how much they're loved and how much God loves others. It's a big deal. We underestimate this love of God for us and for others. We think we've messed up too much so he's, he, he doesn't want to bless us. We think that others have sinned too greatly so we don't want them to be blessed sometimes or God surely won't bless them. We think it's our performance and we've not done well. We've not done good enough so he's going to move away from us but we don't understand. He loves us with a perfect love. He loves us when we make mistakes. He loves us when we fail. He's drawing us continually. Psalm 103, 17, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who reverence him. Mark Batterson has a good example of how God loves the individual and is reaching to each of us and to others. It's his book called Draw the Circle and he tells this story. General Cecil Richardson is a retired chief of chaplains for the United States Air Force. While stationed in D.C., and that's where Mark is a pastor, General Richardson attended one of our campuses, he says. He's a pastor, so we have several church campuses, and spoke to our men's ministry one weekend. And as a major general, he understands the chain of command. So when the Holy Spirit gives marching orders, he salutes, falls into rank, and obeys orders. And that's what happened one Saturday when he was awakened at 5.30 a.m. with an inexplicable prompting to get new glasses. His wife had been after him for years, telling him that he needed glasses, and he ignored all of those promptings. But this morning, there was a strange new prompting at a strange time, 5.30 a.m. And the problem, of course, is there aren't any optical shops uh, open that early on the weekends. So the general had a long breakfast at Denny's, and then he visited the nearest vision center as the doors opened. When he got to the shop, General Cecil felt led to tell the woman behind the counter that he was a chaplain. But he resisted at first because he didn't want her to think that he wanted a military discount of some sort. But he, he just felt prompted that he needed to say it. And so he finally saluted the Holy Spirit there and simply said, I'm a chaplain. And that's when the woman started to cry. Trembling as tears filled her eyes, she said, my husband is in the military and stationed abroad. And I just found out I have cancer. I had No idea what to do. So, yesterday a friend and I prayed that God would send me a chaplain, and here you are. He's so amazing. He's so loving. He loves every one of us that way. And He wants to use us to love people. I want to do something like General Cecil's doing. I mean, that is so cool. And he draws people with that great love. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. His Holy Spirit works to draw them, to speak to their hearts and to send those that are tangible and real that are his to say we're here on his behalf. God is love and his love will never fail us. Third thought I have today, you can't give what you don't have. Now, I believe that it's possible to be a good parent without being a Christian. I've seen a bunch of them. You know, as a matter of fact, you don't have to be a Christian. If you follow the truth of this word, your life will be blessed. You won't get everything that God has for you, but if you follow the principles, just the way it's laid out, it's it's the road map for life. You'll get there easier and better by following instructions in here. For How do you raise kids? You can find out right here. How do you do marriage? It's all in here. And you can do, you can follow the truths in here without really knowing God, but you won't get everything He has for you, and you won't love as well as you can until you come to Him. Because you can't give what you don't have. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we need to accept Jesus. And when we accept Jesus, not only now, not only do we, do we have the truth of the word that can help us, but we have the Holy Spirit. That, that The Bible says when we accept Jesus Christ that the Spirit of God moves into each life. The Holy Spirit's in each believer's life. And the Bible says that we can be led by the Spirit. And so we not only have good behavior and good practice when we come to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit can give us wisdom on what the key to the situation is in our family. The Holy Spirit can give us power to endure something that's a big hurt that we didn't cause in our family. And and we need what God has. And you can't you can't give out this kind of love and this kind of wisdom if you don't have Jesus and it's just so important to come to Jesus for eternal life but really the abundant life the Bible speaks of in John 10.10 10, you, you can't find it completely until you come to Jesus Christ. You must accept Jesus to be able to give out this perfect love. Take it and give it. Years ago we were um, in the Bahamas it was a missions trip hey, people in Bahamas need Jesus too. And somebody had to do it. And so I took 70 kids for what we call an AIM trip, ambassadors and missions. I was a district youth director for the Assemblies of God. And uh, we we went over there and we would meet in the mornings and um, pray and go through the word. And then we'd hit that, 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 that city there, Nassau. And we were all over the place uh, with kids doing skits and singing songs and passing out things for the evening meeting and even leading people to Christ in the streets. And we had a, a certain part of the day where we would just send people out to, to witness. And we would have hours of prayer in, in the morning. And so when we went out, we found the Holy Spirit was attending um, greatly the people that we were talking to. And, um, you, you know, there's, just, there are people who don't know Him. They were a people who were lost, and yet there was a hunger there. And God just shows up in places like that, and he sends his children, right? That day, this, this, this will sound like bragging, but it was just cool. I'm just, I'm just going to say it, and you can take it for what it's worth. But a friend and I were witnessing to people, and we led 16 people to Christ on the streets in an afternoon one day there. We just talked to them, tell them about Jesus, spend 20 or 30 minutes with them, ask them if they wanted to pray. And they just kept praying, man, so we just kept going. And we felt like the Spirit of God was with us so greatly that we just kept moving. We said, we, 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 we can't stop. Miley's got her theme and I got mine. We can't stop. I walked into a grocery store and the Spirit of God gave me a word for a woman. Now retrospect makes me know that this is true. The Bible talks about words of knowledge where God will speak to a believer. I mean, how does he reach unbelievers? Why do we need the gifts today? Oh, because everything is about reasoning when it's my opinion and yours. But when God does a miracle or gives a word of knowledge, it's a heads up for people who don't know him. Wait, nobody could have known that. So we need the gifts to function today. They're real and, and they work. Now, I, haven't been, I hadn't been familiar in working in what's called a word of knowledge at that time. But I had a very distinct impression given to me about a lady working behind a counter at a till. It was so specific that I thought, man, I could mess up big time on this one if this is not right. And I kept saying, God, is that you? And I just couldn't shake it. And I finally said, well, I'd rather make a mistake trying than fail. So I got in line. I was like fifth. And I waited till I got up to the the counter and I said to this lady, hi, my name is Stan. Jesus sent me all the way from America to tell you that he loves you and give you this word. That's, That's what he said. You have three children. Your husband just left you. You don't know how you're going to make it. And last night, you prayed to God and said, God, if you're real, then show me. And she just burst into tears. I said, is that true? And she said, yes. And I felt like saying, it is? Are you kidding me? Because I was ready for her to say, I don't have any children, and say, have a nice day and walk out, you know. And I talked to her a little bit with people waiting behind me now about the Lord and I said, would you pray a prayer with me to receive Christ? And she said yes. Now I didn't ask her to shut down the till but she locked it and walked away and left them all standing there. (laughs) We went to an aisle and I took her hands, my friends nearby, and I prayed a prayer and she was praying a prayer and she's just sobbing and two big black Bahamian brothers walked up, see her crying, they're hovering over and so then I started praying, safety, Lord, safety. <laughs> then they heard it was different than what it looked like. I encouraged her to go to a church and gave her some information because you know what, you got, that's why we want you to sign that card at the end if you give your heart to Jesus because man, you just need some help getting into those next steps. I can't believe how much he loves people. And you know what? When you discover his love, the closer you get to him, the more he will tell you to love others. His dreams and visions always include loving others and giving to them. And when we discover how we're loved, he comes and empowers us to love others. And we can't give what we don't have, so we need to discover this. We need to accept Him and follow Him. And if that sounds weird to you, Romans 8.14 says, The true children of God are those who, are let, who, let, rather, who let God's Spirit lead them. So, I mean, this is an adventure we're on with Jesus. We have the Word to guide us and protect us, and you know, even protect us from erroneous prophecies and words of knowledge, because there's some weirdness out there. We have the Word to help us, and yet He leads us to help others. And here's why. Jesus said in Matthew 11:28, 28, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. And that lady needed rest. She didn't know what to do. But Jesus was saying, I'm here for you. I care about you. So we need to accept him so that we can walk into these things. But then when we know Jesus, we have to purpose in our heart to grow in his love. And I wanna talk about the fruit of the spirit here for a moment. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. These things are things that God says that we need to have. And we like to skip them. And here's what Americans say. I'm just not that kind of person. I'm, I'm unique. And you're just going to have to accept me like I am. And in a way, we just slough off this whole growth thing. You can't slough off growth in Jesus this love thing's for all of us. This fruit of the Spirit is all of us. And all of us need to grow in it. We don't get to skip these things. Sometimes the way we are reminds me of my, my cousin. When she was a year and a half old and I was about 10 years old, we used to think it was so funny. We'd ask her all the time when she would mess her diaper. And people were around, we'd say, who pooped your diaper, Jennifer? And she would point to someone else every time. And we would laugh. And that's what we do. You know, we go around with a chip on our shoulder because we're just gonna be the way we are and, and, and you know, somebody says, who pooped your diaper because you look so bad? And we point to someone else. They did it. Well, listen, here's the deal. God's love is so awesome, even if people have messed us over in our lives, he can heal our hearts. He can make us well. He can put a joy and peace and gentleness in us that never could have been there otherwise. But we have to surrender to the truth that would set us free and understand that he doesn't want that for us because it's not best, and, and we'll, be, we'll feel a lot better if we just move into these things and grow. There's a, there, there's a scripture, I'm, I'm gonna back up just a little bit in 1 Corinthians because I didn't mention it last night, but there's a scripture that says that love always perseveres. Verse seven, 1 Corinthians 13. And if we love right, we even help people through these things who've had hurts. I don't know if you've heard of this show called uh, Duck Dynasty, and I, I, don't, I, I can't say that I'm a fan, but it's very intriguing to me what's going on there. Uh, if it seems a little irrelevant to bring, to bring up in our culture, uh, just know this, Duck Dynasty had 12 million people watching them on their opening in season four just a couple weeks ago. It was the number one show in America, not only for cable, but for major news, news network, or, or networks. So it's unbelievable how many people are watching this silly show with these people that look like street people right and 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 there's the patriarch phil, and i read I read up on this because I, I want to know what I'm talking about, and I found this out about Phil, the dad. Phil was an all state quarterback first team in Louisiana. He was an all state baseball player first team, and he was an all state track guy. You can't tell that when you see the beard you know hanging down to his chest there and and um he went on a full ride to Louisiana Tech and started for two years ahead of a young man named Terry Bradshaw, and Bradshaw went on to win four Super Bowls. Phil Robertson would have been drafted in the NFL, honest to goodness true, but he didn't want to miss duck season, so he did not, he did not enter himself into the draft. Who would have thought that that would have worked out for him financially, you know, I mean... He's made a lot more money with this duck thing than he, than he has with... Uh... So it's just kind of amazing that the Lord would use these goofballs in Louisiana. It's just... I like talking about them because we're goofballs, you know, and he, he, can, he can use us. Now, in the early days, Phil didn't know Jesus and he was a partier and a fighter and a mean dude. And one of the things I like about the show is they'll talk about God stuff, but they're real. And... He came to Jesus in the 70s and and his life completely turned around and he started growing, like we're talking about today. He realized God loved him and he started growing in that love. He's baptized over 300 people in the river behind his house that he's personally led to Jesus Christ. He's booked for two years in churches where he speaks. They call him the Billy Graham of duck hunting. What does that mean? He looks more like John the Baptist in camouflage and shaggy hair. (laughs) Occasionally, these guys with the long beards, and it just happened this past week, they're mistaken for homeless people. They did a show, and I think it was Jace um, in New York, was at the Trump Hotel in his camouflage with his beard and his beanie cap, you know. And he asked one of the guys who worked there, which way to the restroom? And the guy walked him outside and pointed to the park down the street and said, have a nice day, sir, and walked. He thought he was homeless. Now, they laugh it off because they, 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 they just don't get offended by that stuff. But it's amazing how God is using these guys. Phil Robertson said the show is just a bunch of rednecks shooting ducks. That's all it's about. But if Ozzy Osborne can make it in reality TV, anybody can. That's what he said. He's lived a rough life before he came to Christ. Drinking, carousing, fighting, mean. At some point he looked at his life and said, man, I'm lucky to be alive. What in the world good did I ever have in that other life? I think Miley will say that someday. He gave his heart to Jesus and he became changed. I want you to watch this video and see the difference that Jesus makes in a life. Watch. Well, we've hauled a lot of fish up this bank. We played baseball under these trees. Si shot a few squirrels out of them as well. We all got baptized in the creek back here behind me. And now here we are almost 50 years after you two guys got together uh, having the wedding that you never had with four generations of Robertsons looking on. I'd say this is the perfect spot. Lord of the Rings. Hey, ain't no big (laughs) thing. Well, I don't even know where to start. The first thing I'd say is, from the time I was 14 years old, I loved you. And we've been through some good times and some hard times. I loved you when we were poor and you were not so nice. Now you're really nice and kind. And all I can say about that is, I'm not going anywhere. That's good to know. I will love you forever. (laughs) Yeah. Keep it together. Let's see, Miss Kay. We've been running together since we were teenagers old blue Chevrolet, side in the back. You have cooked me many a good meal. From your loins came four healthy, godly men. You are my best friend, and I love you dearly, and I'm going to be with you for the long haul until they put me in the ground. Good? Perfect. I'm sorry to say I didn't have that when we first married. Oh, it's okay. Our marriage is living proof that love and family can get you through anything. The part I loved about that that fit today was he wasn't so kind once before. But when Jesus comes and when people yield to the Spirit of God, love shows up, his love. And it's real and it makes a difference. We receive it for ourselves. We realize how much we're loved and then we say, Lord, help me to grow in that love. And our love for him creates a love that grows in us that impacts people around us and makes a difference.